world war, world government, world religion, precursors of the mark of the beast, questions abound about all of these subjects, and they're in the headlines of our news today, and very prophetic. We have a very special program for you today. I have a co-host, and so we'll see how all that goes on today's edition of The End Time Show. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. I do thank you for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. And today, we have a very special show for you. I have a co-host. Doug Norvell is joining me today. <laughs> and Doug, man, I've been wanting to do this forever. And when you came to yeah. me the other day um, I, and said, man, let's co-host a show for Friday, I said, man, let's do it. That sounds great. And um, I know that Vince is still sick, so mm -hmm. we want everybody to remember him and his family, because yeah. it looks like his kids and stuff have it now. But um, we've had some great questions come in, uh, you know, through social networking, and me and you get questions. Really, you do more than I now, since I'm doing yeah. so much other stuff. You've taken a <laughs> lot of that off of me. So um, we want to answer a bunch of those questions today. So man, thanks for being here with me. I uh, wanted to do this program for a long time. Looks like today's our day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're right. Most of the time on Fridays, we, we have open lines, so we allow everybody to call in, Dave. Mm -hmm. But uh, because we get an abundance of emails, and we're not always able to answer those now because both of our schedules have kind of picked up, and yeah. it's hard to answer every single one. So what I tried to do today is get a few of them that, uh, you know, we get asked quite a lot and then be able to uh, just kind of, you know, talk back and forth about those scriptures and, and let people know what we believe those scriptures mean. Yeah. And what I want to do on today's program is I want it to kind of just be a raw, not, not a canned, put-together program. Right. But a lot of times you and I will get together and say, Dave, what do you think about this? Doug, man, I've been looking at this scripture. And that's how people figure stuff out along with being led by the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. But it's good in Bible studies and things like that you know that we've done hundreds and hundreds of Bible studies between the two of us, and yeah. the Bible study really starts when the DVDs and everything's over <laughs> and the questions start flying. Yeah, that's that's right. when the Bible study really starts because that's when people really learn. Well, my, I was taught this my whole life, or I read this in a book. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. And sometimes I got, I'm like, you know what? I've got to go look up. i got to do some research on that one because <laughs> I've never heard that before. And so... Yeah. I wanted today to be a really just a raw program. Let's look at the, let's, you know, you'll ask a question. You got a few questions put together here. Yeah. And then we're going to go to the scriptures. We're going to look them up and we're going to banter back and forth about that. So yeah. um, I think it makes, it'll make for a great program. So before we get started here though, Doug, um, let's talk about First Cup Coffee. You know, the, as you can imagine, uh, Doug, Vince, and I, we are essentially working around the clock to keep up with all this. There's so much news going on right now, it's unimaginable. So we're certainly energized and motivated by our God-given purpose, but thankfully, man, up in the upstairs break room, there is a great cup of first cup coffee every morning. I mean, these guys, they're a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company out of the great state of Texas. They have many different roasts to choose from, which is very important to a coffee drinker. Yes. By the way, Doug, Vince, and I are all coffee drinkers, so we, it's very important. So, um, 
and each one of them is named after a different piece of American history. So, go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off. If you subscribe, they'll give you an additional 10% off. So go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off today. Okay, Doug, so I'm looking forward to this. Let's get <laughs> off into some of the questions. What, what's your first question today? All right, so this first question, and I wish I would have thought beforehand and put the names that were with these questions. But anyway, we, you know who you are, so if you're watching, you're going to recognize your question. So the first one I got for you, Dave, is what does Matthew 24, 22 mean? Okay, so <clears throat> Matthew 24, for those that are listening, the Bible says, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved for the elect's sake, those days should be shortened. Right. So, in answering this, because it, many times, Doug, you know this, that when you're trying to figure out a, a verse, somebody will call in just like this and ask about one verse. Mm -hmm. Many times you have to look at the chapter to get the context of it, or even sometimes the book. What's the writer trying to say in the book? Right. Just to do one scripture. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that all Bible, and if you've ever studied the Bible at all, you'll understand that this is true because we'll have somebody call in and they'll hang their entire belief system on one scripture. And if you do that, you're going to be stuck. Right. So what I wanted to do, and I'm going to do that here, uh, we will, in um, Matthew 24, 22, the day should be shortened. Well, what's all this all about? Well, I want to jump back up here because obviously we're in the Olivet Discourse. Yeah. And Jesus was down in Jerusalem at a feast day and at the time of the feast and, and he was show, they were showing him the temples and he had told them, you know, hey, the, sorry guys, he threw cold water in their face and he said, These, the, all this is coming down, not one stone is going to be left on another. Well then they ask him, well, when, when's this going to happen? What's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So he starts going down through there and he's speaking to them, but he's talking to us. And he's telling us what's going to happen at the times, uh, right, the things that will happen right around his second coming. So he starts walking down through there, and then he gets to verse 15, Matthew 24, 15, and he says, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. So that's when the Antichrist stands in a rebuilt Jewish temple proclaiming to be God. Then he says that let them which be in Judea flee uh, into the mountains. Why is he saying that? Because he, he told him, if you're on the housetop, don't go down in to get your billfold. Man, you hit the ground running. Right. He's telling them for a reason. When you see this event happen, when this Antichrist stands in this rebuilt Jewish temple, everybody in the West Bank region, because it's talking about modern day, you're going to have to hit the ground running. If you're on the housetop, don't go in and get your billfold. If you're out in the field working, man, don't go back to pack a suitcase. Hit the ground running. Why? Because verse 21, this is very important. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be. It's going to be the greatest time of persecution the world's ever known. Mm -hmm. Then we go to verse 22. Right. And he says, And except those days should be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. For the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So if you tie verse 20, if you tie verse 15 all the way down into 22, it gives you the context of what Jesus is telling us here. He's telling us that, hey, there's an event coming. When you see that event, hit the ground running because the greatest time of persecution the world has ever known is going to start right there in that West Bank region. Yeah. And because of that, I'm going to shorten the days mm -hmm. because of it's going to be the greatest time of persecution. And even if it's for the elect's sake, because he goes down through there and he said, 
um, if possible, the very elect shall be deceived. He ties all this in down here, mm -hmm. but because of the greatest time of persecution, um, the days are going to be shortened because it's going to be it's going to be horrific. And this scripture here, Matthew twenty four twenty two, is actually tied into the fourth trumpet, right? Because the Bible says that during the fourth trumpet, that the a third of the day, the third of the sun would not shine, a third of the moon would not shine, a third of third of the stars. It's the shortening of a day there. It's not the shortening of the amount of days, right. but the shortening of a day. And of course, um, that's already happened now. The fourth trumpet happened with the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, the process of globalization, and the speeding up of time all the way back in 1989. So it, it, that's what I get when I see this scripture here. God has simply shortened the days for the elect's sake because they're going to be, it's going to be just immense persecution and pressure there right there at the very end, God is saying, I'm going to give you guys a bit of a reprieve here. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I'm glad you mentioned it's not the number of days, because we have other scripture that tells us the number of days, mm -hmm. you know, so it lets us know that there's 1,260 days. So it can't be a shortening of the, the times, like it can't be less days, it has to be with the time of that 24-hour period. Yes. And so that's how we understand that. That's great, Dave. I, I think that, um, you know, people can really glean from that and can understand it a whole lot better now. You know, I, I know also that a lot of people believe that the elect is speaking to the Jews. Right. But we know and we can prove, uh, you know, from looking into Romans that the elect were actually uh, the church, that, that we're now the, the saints of God are the elect. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it is referring to us. And uh, one of the things I always remember uh, that cracks me up about Pastor Baxter is he would say, uh, you know, many people believe that the tribulation period is seven years. Yeah. But he says, because he shows us through the abomination of desolation, we know that happens three and a half years into it. And then the great tribulation happens after that. He says, I just gave you half off. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, that yeah. was always fun to hear him tell that and talk about that. So I yeah. hope that that helps uh, with that question. I think that that was very thorough. That was a great answer. Yeah, well, the, another thing, just to help everybody out here, Doug, is again, I want to reiterate that when you're studying scriptures, because we have it happen all the time, somebody will come and say, oh, this one scripture, you know, we're, it, there's a pre-trib rapture because we're not appointed under the wrath of God. Right. Rather than looking at all the scriptures and even that scripture in context in that chapter, right. when you look at all the scriptures that pertain to the rapture and the timing, and I know we, we, might, get in, we might get into that today, <laughs> but the thing is, is that when you're trying to figure out a topic in the Bible, I've said this over and over, and this really helps when you're trying to study, is that if you're trying to figure out any topic in the Bible, you have to look at every verse that pertains to that topic and make sure that you read at least the chapter, sometimes the book, to know exactly what's going on here. Now, obviously in Matthew 24, if you just read the chapter here, it really helps you to understand. Right. But also, if you don't know about the fourth trumpet, then you're going to kind of be like, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't really kind of know what the shortening of the days. So um, it helps to know when you tie all the, everything in with it, then um, it gives you a real well-rounded answer to a question like this. And mm -hmm. I know that you're real good at doing that when you answer the questions and tying everything in. And, you know, to a one-sentence question, sometimes I'll send a whole article <laughs> right. to explain the whole thing because... Yeah. You, I can't give a you know a, a one minute answer, and so um, 
But great question uh, to whoever wrote that in. Yeah. Um, and thank you for that. Now, uh, before we get to the next one, because I know this next one may take us a little time. Yeah. Uh, I want to mention Birch Gold real quick. You know, world government enthusiasts, they, they want to impose digital currencies and digital IDs on their respective populations. And 90% of the world's uh, central banks are looking into implementing a central bank digital currency right now. 90%. And, you know, that that's going to, if, if it is implemented, it could allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products, uh, freeze or seize part of your bank accounts. I mean, consider the, the Canada truckers. And, you know, in essence, it's going to enable governments and central banks to have more control over your finances. There are some concerned Americans that are diversifying their assets into physical gold. Uh, and they're doing that with the help of Birch Gold Group. So if you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered uh, retirement account, uh, which is just one thing of many, go to birchgold.com slash time to get your free info kit on gold. Maybe you've got an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer uh, that's just, you know, it's got an, an, an 12 inches of dust on it. Well, Birch Gold can help you convert that into an IRA in gold. And the good thing is it doesn't cost you a dime. Well, go to birchgold.com slash endtime. Claim your free info kit on gold. A lot of people don't even know how to get into it. Uh, because if this digital currency becomes a reality, you may wish you had some gold to fall back on. Now, with that said, Doug, um, let's get to the next question here because he, all of the questions that, that everybody sends in, there's never a bad question other than, I, I used to say there's never <laughs> a bad question other than um, I've got some that I thought, wow, holy macaroni. And <laughs> I don't know if the guy, people were just teasing or what, but yeah. um, somebody that's got a spaceship sticking out of their garage window <laughs> or something like that, I don't know how to answer a question like right. that. But the vast majority of the questions we get in here, are, you can tell somebody's trying to do their research and they're mm -hmm. trying to really learn this stuff, and I, I love it. Right. I just don't have as much time as I used to to sit down and just fire off. Right. But I, there's been times when I'll get some uh, questions or different things at midnight from a missionary somewhere, and I'm like, you know what? I'll just lay there in bed and fire the question, the answer yeah. back to him. Um, so we do it as much as we can, and uh, I'm very thankful to be able to do that. Plus, we have open line Fridays and call-ins and a lot of different things. So, okay, Absolutely. back to the questions. What you got? Well, if I had a piece of gold for every time we got this question, I would be a rich man. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, this is our second question, Revelation 3.10. Yeah. Doesn't this pertain to a pre-trib rapture? Why or why not? Okay, Revelation 3.10. So, <clears throat> uh, again, like I, like I said in the previous one, if you just pull out one verse of the Bible and say, here's what I'm going to hang my whole belief system on, right. you're going to be stuck. Yeah. You, you really are because you or I might only have to ask somebody one question. They're going, well, I, I'm, you know, and that point they want to argue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Revelation 3.10, when I've asked people to give me a verse of Scripture that proves there's a pre-trib rapture, I'm going to say probably 85 to 90 percent of the time I'm going to get Revelation 3:10. Yeah, absolutely. And so, for those that are listening, Revelation 3:10 says now uh, John is writing seven churches to seven letters here. He's writing to the Church of Philadelphia. He's exiled out on the Isle of Patmos, mm -hmm. and he says to the Church of Philadelphia, "Because thou hast kept." Now he's writing a letter from God to these churches. Right. And he says, "Because thou hast kept the word of my patience." 
I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Okay. Number one, does that teach a pre-trib? No, it does not. Here's why. There's actually more than one reason, but number one, there are a plethora of scriptures that teach a post-tribulation rapture. So, no verses in the Bible contradict each other. Right. And I talked to my father, to Irvin Baxter years ago, because some of them kind of look like they do. Old Testament, New Testament. I think, mm -hmm. man, these contradict each other. But um, he said, what you have to do is ask yourself in that instance, what does this not mean? Right. Because you know it doesn't mean this because it would contradict. Then once you start getting the context of everything, you can say, oh my goodness, <laughs> I, I know what this is saying. Now, I know what the two writers were trying to say. Yeah. So, number one, scriptures do not contradict each other. So, with right. all the plethora of scriptures that teach a post-trib, you're not going to come to one that says, oh no, the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation. It's right. simply not in there. Number two, this is where it helps to understand the segmentation of the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter um, 1, verse 19, John was told, write the things which you have seen, the thing, in this book, John, here's what I want you to write, the things right. which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. Right. If you do not understand that verse, that verse is a key that really unlocks much of the, 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 the segmentation of the entire book, all 22 chapters. Right. If you don't understand that key, that door's going to be closed to you and you're going to have blindfolders on. Yeah, so, absolutely. Revelation 1.19, right? The things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. So John's out on the Isle of Patmos, exiled out there. Right. God's given him these visions. So in chapter 1, that's a vision that John had seen. Mm -hmm. Then in chapters 2 and 3, which are the seven letters to the seven churches, and we're going to get into that heavily in another question that's coming up. Yeah. These write seven letters. These are not the church ages. Right. A lot of people get that messed people up. Teach that. Yeah. Yeah. So the the thing is that some people say, well, this this is applying to us today. Right. Revelation three ten is not applying to us. John was John was simply writing the things which are the second segment of the book of Revelation. Yeah. And so he writes to the seven churches. And when he comes to the church of Philadelphia, which they were having problems in with persecution and different things at that time. You say, how do you know that? Because John was exiled out on the Isle of Patmos right. while he's writing all this. Yeah. So they were dealing with persecution and different things with the churches. And he says that the church of Philadelphia, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I'm going to keep you from the hour of temptation, this persecution that's happened around the world, mm -hmm. which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And so Revelation 3.10 is written to a church that was on the earth 2,000 years ago. And... That's number two. A third thing is that we know that the Great Tribulation is going to be three and a half years. Right. I can prove that scripturally over and over and over. Yeah. Not seven years, but three and a half years. Yeah. Well, if you go back, John's writing this to the seven churches. If you go back to Revelation 2.10, where John's writing to the church of Smyrna, it says, For none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation 10 days. Yeah. So he's saying they're going to have a 10-day tribulation, but we know the end time tribulation, it specifically says many different times that it's three and a half years. Right. So it's simply Revelation 3.10 is not referring to the modern day church. Um, it's referring to a situation that the, specifically the church of Philadelphia would have to go through because they were suffering persecution at that time. 
So that scripture does not prove a pre-tribulation rapture right. uh, for those reasons. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, Revelation 4, 1, it goes into things that will be hereafter. Those are the three segments of the book of Revelation. There's a skeletal structure and then there's a segmentation. Yeah. And so um, that's what John is referring to here. God's giving him a vision, uh, a letter to the church specifically in Philadelphia that was on the earth 2,000 years ago. It's not pertaining to us today. Right. So what would your answer be to someone who said, well, the church is not mentioned after Revelation 3.10? Revelation 3.10? Yeah. So, um, yeah, because they say in Revelation 4.1, John, come up here there and I'll show right. you things that will be yeah. hereafter. So I, I did a, a, a program years ago that proving that the church was mentioned at least 16 times after that. Right. <laughs> so... Um, especially in Revelation 19. Mm -hmm. Some people will say the church wasn't mentioned after Revelation 4.1. Some people say it wasn't mentioned between Revelation 4.1 and Revelation 19. Right. Because the Bible says the bride hath made herself ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. However, when the Bible talks about the saints, Doug, in the New Testament, yeah. is that the church or is it not? <laughs> yeah, Okay. Most definitely. So when the Bible says in Revelation chapter 13 that the Antichrist made war against the saints for 42 months, right? who's that talking about here? Well, yeah. some people would say, well, that's the, that's the difference tribulation. in the rapture saints and the tribulation, <laughs> tribulation saints. saints. Okay, yeah. let's, let's get over that hump. Right. There, is no, there are no scriptures in the Bible that mm -hmm. says there's a separate rapture saint and a separate tribulation saint. Right. That's a traditional teaching. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, some of these things you, you've been taught since you were a kid so that when you get 40 years old and you want to call in and, and email us a question and then I say, well, there's no difference in that. You're like, oh, yeah, no, no I've been taught that. Well, right. I want to I want to see scripture. Yeah. Because I've got we've got to document everything that goes into our mag and our DVDs, our television, radio program. I've got to be able to prove that, or I I can't teach it. Right. Or teach it as speculation or an opinion. Yeah. So when we go to a, a question like that, you're actually asking more questions than are on the list. Yeah, I know. I know. But, <laughs> no, but, that's but good. this is a follow-up because no, we always to. get that with that question. I, I know. That, yeah. No, this is what I wanted it to do right. today, which would be wrong. <laughs> so the thing is, though, is that the, the church is mentioned many times. Uh, the Antichrist makes war with the saints. Um, when the Bible talks about the sixth trumpet, the sixth seal, the, the seventh trumpet, um, sixth and seventh seal, seventh vial, uh, and the harvest of the vine of the earth and the harvest of the um, and the harvest of the earth in Revelation 14. Those are four accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Right. All of those the church is mentioned there. Yeah. It's the it's the rapture of the church and the second coming, which is one continuous event. This is another thing. Yeah. Because a lot of people, Doug, cannot um, they can't get over this hump in their mind right. that the They've been taught by all these television preachers that the rapture happens and then there's a seven year period, which is the great tribulation, and then the second coming happens after that. Yeah. Everybody has to get over that. You gotta get past that thinking. That's Clarence Larkin, dispensational <laughs> truth, yeah. television preaching. Yeah. Okay. The rapture happens. The Lord comes, sends us um, angels with the son of a trump to gather his elect. Matthew yeah. 24, uh, 29 through 31. Revelation 19, we, the, the bride hath made herself ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky, and then we go straight to fight on behalf of battle of um, Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. Yeah. It's one continuous event. Right. Some people say, 
to try to disprove that, they say, well, that's the U-turn theory. I don't care what you want to call it, right? but it's, a, it's one continuous event. Yeah. So once you get over some of those humps in your mind, then from Revelation 4.1, whenever it talks about the saints, it's talking about the church after Revelation 4.1, yeah. and there's at least 16 times uh, when it does that. So Absolutely. Um, it, and, again, it doesn't teach a pre-tribulation rapture whatsoever. You know, talking about Revelation 19 too, one of the things that um, I saw in there a long time ago that really helped me with that too, is we're watching in, in 17 and 18, we're watching the destruction of Mystery Babylon. So we know that we're raptured out right before that full cup of wrath is poured on uh, the world and Mystery Babylon's destroyed. Yeah. When you go to 19, the first thing you see is the host of heaven are watching the smoke rise from Mystery Babylon because she's been destroyed. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, they hear a voice they had never heard before. It's a voice of a great multitude. Yeah. And they turn around and they find out the bride has made herself ready. That's where we enter into heaven and we get our white linen that we go back and fight with Jesus. It tells us right. all that in, in chapter 19. So it proves that the rapture happens while Mystery Babylon is being destroyed. We enter into heaven and the hosts are watching Mystery Babylon, giving a hallelujah to God. And then they hear that voice. They've never heard that multitude before. They spin around and who is it? The bride of Christ. So. Yeah. Yeah, th th those are great. They've great, uh, great answers for yeah. that, and I hope that helps that person out and many others because we have that question so many times. So. Yeah, I mean the thing is, Doug, I, and I know I, I knew we would have some time here on this question. Yeah, because in the end time, no, the pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, whatever, that's it's not a salvation issue at least right. at this point. Um, but and I say that because if somebody says, well. The church is going to be raptured out before the, the mark of the beast comes on the scene and they start doling it out and somebody takes it thinking, oh, this is another number. Okay, now that could get a little dicey there. Right. But the, as, at this point, no. The, you can believe in a pre-trib, post-trib, go to heaven, whatever. But the thing is, is that I believe, number one, it's a truth in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I want to teach the truth. Right. And so I don't want to teach people for 50 years that there was a pre-tribulation rapture. Then we go off into the tribulation. Imagine my church looking at me going, yeah, yeah, you told us, you know. Right. Uh, uh, and so I, I, I think that, I think that people are going to have to get over that hump in their mind of this pre-tribulation rapture. It's a traditional teaching. It's not a scriptural teaching. Yeah. There's not. Uh, so um, we talked about this earlier before we come in here, uh, and I thought I would mention it. I have friends of mine, uh, great friends. I have family members that believe in a pre-trib. And they've questioned me and said, okay, you know, let's let, sit down over a Thanksgiving dinner or whatever and said, or maybe afterwards and say, Dave, let's settle this pre-post trip thing. I don't know where we're on time. We're going to come up to a break here. Yeah. Let's settle this pre-post trip thing. So anyway, we're, I tell you what, we'll hold that for over the, on the other side of the break here because we're yeah. going to come up to a break. But everybody, I hope you're enjoying this. Me and Doug, I've been wanting to do a, a, a co-host program with him for years now. And uh, today's the day. Very thankful that he's joined me today. And we're going to get right back off into some great questions on the other side of the break. Pray for Vince and his family that God would uh, heal them because he's been sick for about a week now. This flu is going around. Uh, but I want to say thank you all for joining us. Looking forward to the second half of this program. God bless. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment 
of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 End Time. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Welcome back, everybody. And you remember uh, yesterday we made the announcement that We've started a, well, YouTube, um, they demonetized our YouTube account because uh, all our YouTube videos, we were just a few hundred shy of 100,000 subscribers, getting ready to go to the next level with advertisements and many different things. But uh, they had some human and artificial intelligence reviewers that reviewed our thing and said that we kind of crossed some lines, obviously, with their false narratives is what it really is because we were teaching, uh, you know, we might talk about the LGBTQ stuff and that's not biblical, or we might talk about human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change or the border, world government, world religion, and YouTube simply does not want you to know the truth about all that. And so they demonetized us, which is one step towards cutting off our YouTube channel. So what we've done is we started an End Time Plus campaign in response to being demonetized. It's the first thing that we've done uh, by YouTube. So if you want to take uh, advantage of that, use code YouTube to get End Time Plus for $5.98 a month for a year. And you can avoid the overlords of YouTube controlling what you see. And so uh, if you want to take advantage of that right now, you can go to uh, endtime.com, check it out. And uh, it's a great savings right now. But that's the first thing that we'll do. God will open up many doors. We're following the leading of uh, Jesus Christ in all of our lives. We're being spirit-led. And when one door closes, we'll have a million other doors open. I've seen it over and over and over. So we're just following God in all of this. So um, we're going to get to another question here in just a moment. But let me, let me finish up with this one really quick, Doug. Yeah. I've had minister friends of mine, I've had people for years talking about this pre-post-trib thing. And then we're going to put this to bed and go to the next, the red heifer, I think. So I've had many of my friends ask me, um, Dave, let's settle this pre-post-trib thing. You know, get the, and I'm like, oh, fine. <laughs> and I tell them, we'll, we'll go through this big old long conversation. I'm like, look, you can convert me to a pre-trib in just a few minutes. Yeah. And they're like, oh, here we go, licking their chops. And I say, um, let's me and you do it. Me and you. Okay, okay so um, give me a, Doug, give me a, this is what I'll do to my friends and different yeah. people. Give me a scripture in the Bible that says we need to baptize in Jesus' name. 
Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38. Okay. Give me a scripture in the Bible that says there's uh, one God. Deuteronomy 6.4. Deuteronomy 6.4. Okay. Now, you're firing those scriptures at me pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. So, give me a scripture in the Bible that says who created the heavens and the earth. Genesis. Genesis Genesis 1.1. That's exactly right. So, everything I ask you, and I know we could go on here for... Right. But everything I've asked you, you'd throw scripture at me. Yeah. Now... Give me one verse in the Bible, just one, or or a passage in all the 31,000 plus verses that says the rapture where the Lord will come and send His angels with the sound of a great trumpet to gather His elect. Give me one verse in the Bible that, now you're, remember, if if you can convert me, I'll go on the radio and say (laughs) we made a mistake, there's actually a pre-trib rapture. Right. Give me one verse in the Bible that says that that event happens before the great tribulation. Yeah, well, there's there's not any scripture for that. There's no scriptures for that. Yeah. So, okay. Well, then I'm not converted then. Right. And so th- that's the thing, Doug, is that yeah. I've asked many of my friends over the years, give me verses for everything. And they can just fire the scriptures at me like boom, boom, boom. Right. And then when I ask them for that verse, yeah, some of them will go to Revelation 3.10. I'm like, nope, that's not what it says. Right. But there's not a verse in the Bible that says the rapture happens before the tribulation. Right. A lot of them go to, well, we're not appointed under the wrath of God. I totally agree with that, 100%. But the wrath of God is the seven vials of the wrath of God in Revelation chapter 16. And we're here during the first six vials. Mm -hmm. Because in verse 15 it says, after the six vials poured out, in verse 15 it says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest they walk naked and they see his shame. So we're here, but those vials of the wrath of God are not poured out upon the church. Yeah. And so I understand all that, but if somebody could give me the verse, yeah. because I'm a, I'm a truth seeker. I want to teach the truth in everything I do and without fear or favor. Right. And so when it gets to this pre-post-trib thing, uh, if somebody could give me the verse that says the rapture occurs before the tribulation, I'm in. Right. But it's simply not in there. And so that's why... I've got to say I believe in a post-tribulation rapture, that along with a million other scriptures. So uh, in reference to that, we do have a scripture that tells us the gathering of the saints happens immediately after the tribulation. Absolutely. So Matthew 24, 29 through 31 gives us that scripture that tells us immediately after the tribulation of those days. So it... That's great. I mean, that's a way that, you know, I mean, we have a scripture for post, but there's no pre-trib scripture. That's exactly right. Yeah, and that's so awesome. I, and that was Jesus, too. A lot yeah, of people say, absolutely. well, I'm just going to go by the words of Jesus. Go to yeah. Matthew 24, 29 through 31. Okay. So with that said, Doug, really quick, and then yeah. we'll dive off into the red heifer. Um, All right. Let me talk to you a little bit about Ready Pantry. You know, as Americans, we want to believe that the grocery store is always going to be there. And, but, you know, we've seen a few years ago supply chains and different things could quickly collapse food supplies could diminish. I mean, it can happen overnight, literally. So we pray for the best, but we prepare for the worst. And you know, what if there was a way that you could have an affordable emergency supply of food? Well, there is. ReadyPantry.com slash endtime. It offers amazing 25-year shelf-stable food. They have a wide variety, breakfast, lunch, dinners, desserts, and it's, you know, and just, there's just a peace of mind you get knowing that you have an emergency supply of food ready should any kind of catastrophe happen. And Ready Pantry, these guys are an American-based company. All the products are sourced right here in America. You're not going to be disappointed. 
There are long-term food stores companies out there selling stuff that's been on their shelves for years, but Ready Pantry does not do that. They deliver the finest products and the freshest products right to your door within a couple months of being packaged. So, Ready Pantry, they offer uh, discounts up to 20% for 3 to 12 month supplies. Go to readypantry.com slash endtime, use code endtime, and save an additional 10% off of your order, and you never pay shipping. And you also can stock your pantry with buy now, pay later options available at checkout by going to readypantry.com slash endtime. Okay, my friend, what's the next question? Okay, so this one is a hot topic right now, and uh, we've talked about it several times. Uh, this is, why is the red heifer significant for a Christian believer? So it's kind of a different angle at this question. Yeah. Uh, we, so you can cover both. Explain to us why the red heifer is significant to the Israeli people, and then the Christian part of it, you can explain you know, what you feel about that. So yeah. uh, let her rip. I'll yeah. let you do so, that. <laughs> so the, from a prophetic perspective, mm -hmm. which would be the way the Jews are looking at it. Right. Well, I should say just a, a, a select uh, group of Jews. Right. Because some Jews, a lot of people don't know this, there are many Jews in Israel that are atheists. Yeah. And so they could care less about the red heifer. Right. But for those that are wanting to build the third temple, they, they're studiers of the law and they're studiers of the Word of God and different things. They believe that there's going to be a third temple built in the very near future, which there is. Mm -hmm and that to implement the, the sacrifices, which will happen in the morning and the evening, every morning, every evening, yeah. that in order to do that, Israel is ritually impure because anybody who's come in contact with a dead body, whether you've walked past a graveyard, uh, you've been to a funeral, you've been to a hospital, whatever, that they are impure and would not be able to, they would not be able to go up and participate in those sacrifices. So. Yeah. They believe that's pretty much just about all of Israel. So right. in Numbers 19, uh, God said, bring a, a red heifer and sacrifice that as a purification ceremony. They don't call it a sacrifice. Right. And that they could use the ashes from that. And there's some different things, a hyssop tree and everything that um, to purify the nation of Israel before we could start the sacrifices and the different rituals in the third temple. So that, from the Jewish perspective, they believe, because they're still under the law mindset, that when they build the third temple, to have the third temple and reestablish the sacrifices, they need a red heifer. Yeah. Okay. For, from a Christian perspective, a, a, I'm going to say a true Christian, because some Christians will buy into that. Yeah. And from a true Christian perspective, we don't need the red heifer. I don't need the building of the third temple. I don't need the ritual sacrifices because Jesus Christ was our New Testament red heifer. Yeah. And what he did on Calvary, death, burial, and resurrection, he purchased a plan of salvation called being born again. I know that when I was born again um, and, and obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom of God, that that was my, Jesus Christ was my sacrifice for my right. sins. That was the atonement for sin. I'm not under the law anymore. So I don't need a red heifer. However, prophetically speaking, it, the Bible says there's going to be a third temple rebuilt. Revelation chapter 11, uh, 1 and 2, um, John, measure the temple, but don't measure the outer court because it was trodden down to the Gentiles. It's going to be trodden down to the Gentiles for 42 months. Mm -hmm. He was not talking about the second temple, Doug, because the second temple had been destroyed in 70 AD 
prior to him being exiled out on the Isle of Patmos. Yeah. John was exiled out on the Isle of Patmos in 95, 96 AD. Right. So the second temple had been destroyed. So when, he's, when God said, John, measure the temple, but don't measure the outer court, he's talking about a third temple that's going to be rebuilt. Right. So we know there's going to be a third temple built. We know from um, Revelation chapter 9, verse 27, and from Revel or, I'm sorry, from Daniel 9, 27, and Daniel chapter 11, that the sacrifices will be reestablished in the third temple because the Antichrist is going to come along and stop the sacrifices. Right. You can't stop the sacrifices if they haven't been started. Right. Well, like I said, in the Jewish mind, the ones that are the religious, the ones that are into this, um, they need a red heifer to start those sacrifices. So um, that's the difference in the Christian mindset and the Jewish mindset. Also, I would say that the for those of you that now we've been talking about this a lot lately, but I we just had a conversation with Byron Stinson the other day. You and I right. in my office, yeah, a great friend of ours, and he told us that they have four viable. We most people that listen to us know we have four viable candidates for a red uh, red heifer now. Yeah, they're of age, and they want to get it done this year because the older they get, the more susceptible they are to getting white and red hairs. Yeah, so their plan is to do this on Passover this year, which would be in, October, in April. Right. And so my father-in-law, I, I told you, I said, he's probably flipping over <laughs> in his grave over there in Rockwall because he followed this stuff like a hawk for years. Right. And they would get, there would be a red heifer born in Israel or one over here in Mississippi with Clyde Lott and all those guys, and it would get up to a certain age, and then it would develop white or red hairs. No, there has not been a red heifer that has gotten up to age for over 2,000 years now yeah. that Israel Incredible. has known about. And wow. now they've got four, Doug, yeah. that are of age, and they're wanting to sacrifice one in April. Yeah. And um, they've got the land, they've got the cow, yeah. the, cow the, the heifers, and then they've got, um, which another story that we'll probably talk about maybe next week. I, did you yeah. and Vince talk about the gold part? We, we mentioned it, but we didn't talk about it because I didn't have all the details yet. Okay. So, yeah. so this is something that we'll need to put together, but yeah. either you guys or uh, you and Vince or, or myself will talk about the gold portion that may be supplied mm -hmm. uh, by a nation down under somewhere yeah. that would uh, supply the gold for the third temple. All of that stuff's in the works. Right. You say, is this all of God, uh, I, I, because prophetically speaking, I know it's going to happen, yeah. but God doesn't need the third temple either. It's right. going to be built, yeah. but the fact of the matter is, it's simply that God knows the end from the beginning, and He, lay, he laid this out for all of us with the writers. God does not need the third temple because of what happened at Calvary. Right. So that's the red heifer question. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a great answer. And you know, we did get some significant information in that conversation yeah, yeah. that you're going to be able to use a whole lot more. So yeah. that'll be something we'll, people want to stay tuned for. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that for next week because <laughs> we got a few more questions to get to. So. Yeah. God bless everyone. We'll be back in just a moment. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is.
end time is not going anywhere. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm here with my co-host today, Doug Norvell. And uh, actually, he could answer all these questions. But because it was my open line Friday that he was going to be a, a guest with me on here, uh, he decided to take the lead and ask me the questions. And I'm, I'm thankful that he joined me here today because this is a pre-record. And you want to know why? Because we're going hog hunting, Doug. <laughs> yes, we and are. And when everybody watches this show, we're going to be out there uh, putting a smack down all the hogs that we have nicknamed Hamas. <laughs> yeah. And so... <laughs> I'm hoping so. Yeah, yeah, sure. me, me too. Uh, okay, man, uh, so enough with the uh, Vince and Doug banter. Let's go back to, <laughs> let's go back to answering, the, let's get to many questions as we can. Go. All right, we'll get down to business here. Number four is this person wanted to know why the Jews don't just tear down the Dome of the Rock and build their third temple there. Yeah. So several reasons. Number one, you and I both know that if the Jews were to go up there right now and start tearing down that third temple or the Dome of the Rock, that's World War III. Not tomorrow, but this afternoon. Right. I mean, the, the, the Arabs across the, the whole Middle East would rise up. Yeah. It would be, I'm talking about Sunni and Shia, Shia Arabs. Yeah. So that's not going to happen. But I don't think it needs to happen right. for the building of the third temple. Years ago, Doug, and well, so let me give you a scripture and then I'll tell you something that happened years ago. When uh, Revelation 11, 1 and 2, mm -hmm. John was told um, to measure the temple. God told him in a vision, measure the temple, but don't measure the outer court because it would be trodden down the Gentiles for 42 months. Yeah. So there's going to be, in, uh, as a result of a peace agreement in the near future, Daniel 9, 27, there's going to be a sharing arrangement on the temple mount and we believe there was a guy named Asher Kaufman years ago that did a lot of research and study, and he said that the t that where the Dome of the Spirits is, that was at, which is north of the Dome of the Rock, and that right. little cupola that's up there, and that you big ten-acre courtyard. You actually stand there and teach when we go to Israel. We, yeah, we stand there and teach when we go yeah. to Israel. That that is where many people believe the Holy of Holies was. Right. So the it, it's it's it, many people believe that the temple can be built in that courtyard north of the Dome of the Rock mm -hmm. and leave the Dome of the Rock in the Al-Aqsa Mosque and that there can be a sharing arrangement. And even the Jews today that are wanting to build the third temple, they're talking about a sharing arrangement. Right. The, the, the member of Knesset, his name is um, Halevi, just last year he proposed sharing the Temple Mount and giving the Jews, the, the uh, Arabs, the southern half, the Muslims, mm -hmm. and the Jews, the upper portion, um, and so he proposed a sharing arrangement, yeah. which is what John prophesied in Revelation 11, 1 and 2. Right. So um, we know there's, prophetically, there's going to be a sharing arrangement. They're not going to tear down the third temple. They'll probably build the, court, the temple in the courtyard north of that. I was talking years ago. There's a guy named Yehuda Glick. He, mm -hmm. came to, he came and talked to our group one time when Irvin Baxter was over the tour group. I was there yeah. just kind of helping you know, facilitate the thing. And Yehuda Glick came. He was a guy that was a member of Knesset and was shot by the terrorist uh, several years ago. He walked out of a meeting and the guy said, are you Yehuda Glick? Because he was the, he's one of the most radical individuals in Israel yeah. wanting to build the third temple. Right. He would actually go up there and try to sacrifice and they would ban him from the temple for a year. Yeah. And then when they get done with the ban, he'd go right back up there and try to do it again. 
very radical individual. Yeah. He became a member of the Knesset and he came to talk to us because he's a friend of ours. And I said, Yehuda, if there was a peace agreement in the near future that would allow you to build your third temple under a sharing arrangement of the temple mount, would you be willing to build it in that 10-acre courtyard north of the Dome of the Rock? He said, well, Dave, he said, we believe that when it comes time for the temple to be built, that God will make a way to remove the Dome of the Rock, which is what the guys today believe, but I don't think that's going to happen, that will make a way to remove the Dome of the Rock and we could build the third temple north of that. And he said in order to build our third synagogue, they call it a synagogue, not we call it a temple. Right. And so he's one of the most radical individuals in all of Israel when he, pushing for the building of the third temple. Yeah. And he said, yes, we would be willing to share it. Yeah. Well, a- any of them will be willing to share it. If they, could, if, if they were to get a peace agreement in the near future, Doug, that says, even Donald Trump talked about sharing it. Mm-hmm. Well, he said that um, that would allow them to build their third temple up there, but you got to leave the Dome of the Rock. Right. I promise you Israel's going to say, yep, Yeah, absolutely. because maybe once we get that built, maybe God will in the future, we'll t- make a way to remove it or whatever. Yeah. They're going to take what they can get in this peace agreement coming up, I promise you, yeah. and they're going to build their third temple. So um, to answer your question, there, again, there's a lot that goes into that. Right. Number one, it'd be World War III tomorrow morning. Yeah. But number two, they simply don't have to do that to get the third temple or their third synagogue built. Right. Yeah. And when Jesus comes back to the Mount of Olives, uh, the scripture talks about uh, an earthquake that separates the city. Mm-hmm. Some people believe that that's when the Dome of the Rock will actually come down, that sure. that earthquake will kind of go through there and tear things apart because God doesn't need any temple. Right. And he definitely wouldn't want to desecrate the Temple Mount with the enemy's yeah. temple, and so he may destroy it then. So we don't know. We'll have to wait and see if that happens because that's exactly. speculating. But uh, yeah, great answer there, and it helps people understand because we have heard recently, like you said, the Jewish people that are in control of uh, the red heifers right now. I can't remember uh, the rabbi's name, but he actually said the other day uh, in that speech that he made at that conference there in D.C. that they believe that the Muslims would just provide that area yeah. and, and give it to them. I don't think that's going to happen. No. And so, yeah, that's a great answer. So yeah. we know from Revelation uh, 11, 1 and 2. Yeah. All right. One, one cool thing, the interview you talked about in D.C., I did yeah. get written permission yesterday to publish that in our magazine coming up. Yeah, that's going to be great. And that's going to be great. Yeah. That'll be fabulous. So. Yeah, they a the, lot of great information came in that little conference. Yeah. So uh, shout out to... Uh, I. Byron Stinson, yeah. Mamo, Rabbi Mamo, and all those guys. Yeah, for all that great yeah. information. That yeah, it was had. great. And yeah. it, it's prophetic, dude. We're sitting here. We are watching this stuff happen yeah. right now, Doug. We got a war in the Middle East that, that could turn into the Six Trumpet War. Yes. We got red heifers. Come on. <laughs> They've got the property they need for the sacrifice. They've got the, the maybe funding to help with that temple. Yep. And they're still, I mean, it's just right there. Everything yeah. just Plus world government, right world religion, now. precursor, oh, yeah. the mark of the beast. Everything I mean, happened. everything's happening. Conversion uh, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But we're not in the end time, though, are we? <laughs> no, I mean, not, yeah, not, not, no, man, you guys are just pie in the sky, <laughs> sensationalizing right. stuff. Come on. Yeah. Man, yeah. we're so far off into this, it's unbelievable. I know, it's an amazing okay, time let, to be alive. Okay, let's do another one before we get done Okay, here. Uh, let's see if we can get this one in. Who is the generation that shall not pass and why? So a lot of people believe that when Israel 
was made a nation, that that started a generational thing. So yeah. is that true? What's your answer to that? Yeah, yeah. So um, let me see. Where's that at? Let me look that, that up. That is in um, so that's Matthew, Matthew 24. 24. I'm sorry. About, down about 32. Yes. So um, Jesus, again, we're here in Matthew 24, the Olive Discourse. Jesus yep. said, uh, when he talks about um, his second coming, Matthew 24, 29 through 31, he says he's going to send his angels with the sound of a great trumpet to gather his elect. Right in verse 32, the mm -hmm. next verse, yeah. he says, now learn the parable of a fig tree. When, it, when his branch is, now again, uh, this is where you got to look at the context of the whole thing. Right. Jesus is talking about his second coming, events that would happen at the end of the age. And he says, at the end of the age, immediately after tribulation, the sun will be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven, the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then all the tribes of the earth shall mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with, to gather, with the sound of a trump to gather his elect unto him. Boom. Then he goes, then he says, now learn the parable of a fig tree. Yeah. He says, he's talking about the timing of it all. He right. says, when his branch is yet tender, a fig tree in the springtime, when the branch is tender and it puts forth leaves, then, hey, you know what? Summer's coming on. Right. You're coming through springtime. Now summer's coming. And he said, so likewise, when you see these things, the things he talked about in Matthew 24, when you see these things, know that it is near. Even it's at the door. And then he says, verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass until um, All these, things these things be fulfilled. Be fulfilled. Yeah. So what's he talking about here is a lot of people will say, well, hey, Israel's the fig tree and... Uh, but when Israel becomes a nation in 1948, then that generation is not going to pass until all these things be fulfilled. Right. That's not what this is saying, Doug. Right. Jesus is talking about the timing of everything. And he says, hey, it's just going to be like when a fig tree puts forth their leaves, you know, summer's coming nigh. That's mm. what this is going to be like. Because yeah. if you go to the book of Luke, it says, and all the trees. Yeah. So it's not talking about a specific a Israel tree. being the fig tree. Yeah. I know a lot of guys teach that, but that simply is not what it's talking about. Mm -hmm. So what's it talking about when it says, when... When, um, when you see all these things, well, we got to go back up to what Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 there. Right. So when you go down through there, Jesus said, you're of wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, uh, which is synonymous for pandemics, um, earthquakes in diverse places, all kinds of different things. Well, we've seen those almost since the beginning of time. Right. And so it, you can't, it's not something you could nail down, but there are two things you can nail down there. Mm -hmm. When you go down through that big long list of things he talked about prior to verse 32, he says, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, let those which be in Judea flee. Right. There's two events that you can absolutely nail down and say, when you see these events occur, that generation will not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Right. So that's what he's talking about here when the Bible says, this generation shall not pass away. It's not the formation of the nation of Israel in 1948, and then, hey, the generation's about 70 or 80 years, and then we're all going to be gone. That's right. not what it's saying. Yeah. It is saying that when you see these things, when you see things, these events, when you can nail down, the generation will not pass. So when we see the abomination of desolation occur, when the Antichrist stands in a rebuilt Jewish temple proclaiming to be God, and when we see a, a, the, those that are in Judea, a mass slaughter, they're going to have to run for their lives. Right. And end time ministries is going to be very influential in that because we're going to be warning them, right. hey, you guys got to run. Here's what's fixing to happen. There's going to be another Jewish Holocaust the greatest time of persecution the world's ever known, then you're going to have to run. So that's what Jesus is talking about here. When you see these things, the things I talked about, yeah. 
then this generation will not pass until all these things be fulfilled. He's not talking about Israel being formed in 1948. Right. Yeah. And, and also, uh, you know, you talk about let those who be in Judea flee. We know that's where the tribulation, the great tribulation will begin because of something that Antichrist says or does. It'll cause the, the people to turn against those in the settlement areas, and that's where it will start. But it's not going to be just in Israel that that tribulation. It's right. going to be worldwide tribulation yeah. Yeah. because it says he makes war with the saints. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that great answer again, Dave. It's one of those things that we get asked a lot because people are thinking, uh, you know, that a normal generation is about 80 years. Well, what are we on now? Like 75 years that yeah, Israel has been a nation. Yeah. yeah. And so that's because a lot of people are teaching it. Doug. Yeah. That's why people absolutely. are asking us about it. Yeah. So and so teaches this. Why do you guys? Yeah. And so. Yeah, yeah, great explanation there, helping people understand we have not seen that abomination and desolation yet. We nope. are not even in the final seven years just yet. That's correct. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very important. I, I mean, I know we're coming up to a, a, an end here, Doug, and I, I don't think we could answer the next one in the nah. time we got left. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and, but the thing is, um, when we talk about these prophecies, it's so important. Uh, I ha I ha I've had people actually tell me, well, who cares? You know, yeah. I went to my chiropractor yesterday, yeah. and he said, I've told him what I do, and he said, well, what's the good word for the day? And I said, man, I said, that, that we're in the end time, that the world government, world religion, all these things are proving that we're in the end time just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yeah. He said, well, what's the most important thing? And I said, well, you got to be ready. He <laughs> said, that's what I'm concerned about. Right. And I thought, man, 30% of the entire Bible is Bible prophecy. Yeah. And some people say, just be ready. I understand that. Yeah. But why would you not want to understand all of this stuff to understand what's coming at us, right. the do's and don'ts in the end time, how to navigate the, 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 the turbulent waters just ahead. Yeah. The Bible provides the answers to all this. Right. Everybody needs to know this stuff. And so um, I, I'm thankful that we're standing on the shoulders of Urban Baxter. Amen. God's helping us. God's blessing us. And uh, it, it is, it's been great. And we're, we're going to help We're going to help a lot of people before this thing's over with, Doug. Amen. So thank you for joining me today, my friend. I've been well, wanting to do you. this for years. Yes, sir. I and enjoyed it. It's been a great time. And we'll do it again in the near future, maybe many times. You never know what God's got in store. Um, so God That's bless right. each and every one of you. Have a great weekend.